Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got a ton to get to on today's show. As usual, the Lions continue their push to be the greatest two-win team of all time. Uh, COVID continues to be a problem across the entire National Football League. It's hitting the Kansas City Chiefs ahead of their big game against the Steelers on Sunday. Tyler Huntley looks like a total baller, and we have a special guest on today's show. We are joined by host of the athletic football show, Nate Tice. So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Fellas, what's going on? Uh, it's been a long week 15, but it's finally in the books. It is. I I, I know. That's what I was saying pre-show is that I, my days are screwed up. Like today feels like a two Wednesday because it's like games around last night. So my body clock's like, okay, so that was Monday night football. And I was like, no, that was Tuesday night, which was supposed to be Saturday and Sunday. So that's all great. I, I love that. I love being on a Christmas season where no days make sense. I got out of the football world to have my days make sense. And now it's just like it's totally convoluted now. So here I am. Here I am on a Wednesday feeling like a Tuesday, which feels like a Monday. You get a one day break and we get right back into the NFL tomorrow. So yay, sports. <laughs> Justice, man. NFC North champs, huh? Are you? Here's, a, here's my question to you. Are you mad that it took this long to happen? Because you guys are like beyond spoiled. I did not realize they won the NFC North until I was watching the pressers after the game, and I saw the shirts and shirts and hats. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we won the North." <laughs> yeah, cool. <another>. yeah. <laughs> just another. We've been a back-to-back NFC Championship games. Like we're trying to win a ring here. The the North means nothing. Being better than the Vikings, Bears, and Lions means absolutely right. right. I didn't know it until I saw the state. I was looking at the standings for our show and I saw the Z next to them, the lowercase right. Z. And I was like, oh, that's right. Oh, the, so they clinched the playoff spot. It was like, oh, they clinched the division. Oh, okay. Well, way to go, I guess. Nobody even talks about that. That's crazy. Nothing. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The only team that hangs banners for d- division wins is uh, who is it? The Colts? Here comes a shot at somebody. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he was prepping. up. AFC runner-up. Oh, yeah, AFC finalist. Yes. Oh, that banner's crazy. That's I can't hilarious. believe they did that. As a Seattle Mariners fan, that's uh, we, we've had only a couple nice things happen in, in my decades of fandom. And, like, that's the same thing as they lost in the ALCS to the Yankees in 2001, but they set the wins record. So they're like, okay, how do we um, – said the same thing, like ALCS finalist or ALCS something and then 116 wins underneath. But it was like <laughs> – 
So I, I can't, I can't really throw stones uh, as a Seattle Mariners fan. I, I am kind of with everybody. I didn't really realize the Packers clinched the division because I feel like the NFL playoff standings right now are a total mess. So we'll try to navigate that a little bit as the show goes on and make sense of everything that's happening. But we got to start with the Rams taking down the Seattle Seahawks on Tuesday night football. Uh, Matthew Stafford had himself a decent game and really Cooper Cup is just totally unstoppable. So I, I feel like that's the biggest takeaway I have from this football game is that the Rams are a dangerous team and Cooper Cup just seems like he is totally unguardable as we head into the playoffs and, and like moving forward with the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, the Rams are pretty much so they rely on their stars a lot on both sides of the ball. And I don't think a lot of people would call Cooper Cup a star, but by the way he plays, by the numbers that he's put up, he should be the definition of a star. So you have Cup on the offense and then they can rely on their running game. Obviously, they didn't have too much uh, yesterday, but the throws at Stafford, the fact that they can stretch the field now with Cup, I think is pretty exciting to see. Then you have Odell, and then, of course, on the other side of the ball, when they throw at Ramsey, good things do not happen. When you have to drop back um, five, seven steps over the course of the game, Aaron Donald is going to make a play, and that's just who the Rams are. They have really freaking good players, and it generally works out when that's the case, man. Yeah, that's exactly it, especially on offense, too. It's like, uh, uh, so who they beat the last week? Oh, the Cardinals. And like in that game, it was funny seeing them run the same concepts they've run over the years, but then it's like, oh yeah, it goes to Odell instead of, and I, as much as I love Robert Woods, uh, uh, you know, Troy Aikman's top three receiver. Uh, it's <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> it's that all of a sudden those like, uh, pick routes are going for Odell. And it's like, okay, instead of a 12 yard game, this goes for 35 because it's like, okay, it's just that little extra juice that he brings, but it's kind of cool seeing them be able to attack all parts of the field. It's like last year, I think we saw the limitations of what that offense could do just by design. And then it's like when you plop in Stafford, who's throwing deep digs and benders and all this stuff, it's like, oh, wow, that, those plays look a little bit better when you have a quarterback that can push the ball <laughs> and launch it over your head at any point in time. So now now that defenses have to defend all the stuff, it's just like you said, KP. It's like now defense is just like, all right, have fun. Like now Von Miller's cranking it up. Like now he's tearing it up in the against the run. It's like you forget. It's like stars matter. <laughs> stars really do matter. It doesn't matter how good your scheme is. So, so especially in the playoffs, and maybe this is a question for you guys, like what's going to slow the Rams down? Because stars matter, and they have stars to match up with stars. Is it as simple as they run into a team like Dallas who just happens to have more stars on offense, or they run into Tom Brady who is Tom Brady? Like what, what is going to prevent the Rams from getting out of the first round? It's their defense. Yeah. I mean, the it's guy it, opposite of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, it, <laughs> no. it's their it's everyone on defense who isn't Jalen Ramsey or Aaron Donald or Vaughn Miller. <laughs> really? Um, the, I, I, yeah, I think it's their defense and the fact that, like, who knows how long Stafford is going to be healthy for. I mean, if he is dealing with all of those injuries and, like, one of them is, like, a chronic back issue, I mean, who knows how that holds up during the playoffs. This race in the AFC, or in the NFC West has gotten really tight, too. Um, you look at 538, the Rams now have a 40% chance to win the division. Um, the Niners actually have a 2% chance somehow, and they've basically punched in a playoff spot, essentially, um, the way it's looking right now. The Cardinals got the Colts at Dallas and Seattle left in the season. And their hope is basically we have a tiebreaker over the Rams because they're both tied at 10 and four right now. That's a tough race now. And Arizona, I mean, came into the week as a one seed in the NFC. And they've essentially 
been ran out of contention for that. Like there's basically no shot for them to make it. It's um, it's down to, you know, Dallas and then, you know, a, a whiff of a hope for the Buccaneers to be able to make it. But outside of that, I mean, it's the Packers division right now. And, re- and really the what the Packers did to the Rams defense is like kind of the blueprint, I guess. I hate saying blueprint because it's like you have to execute that stuff too. Uh, but hey, put put their linebackers encircle them and just attack the middle when, where those like where number 51 is it's like okay they're you know it's like the onside kick and water boy when he's just like looking <laughs> looking he sees the guy shaking right there that's exactly what those moments are like and uh but yeah it's that's really i think justice hit it on the head too it's just that it, it's a bloodbath right now and a team like dallas uh, and with their stars and stuff and that's kind of been i i god it's so funny watching it. of course i'm a huge Dak fan and why wow, this offense was clicking in the first six-ish weeks. And then watching them lately, it's been almost frustrating because it's like they should be scoring 35 a game, but they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. And it's like, oh, my God, please put together a complete game. And I keep – Justice and I do a gambling show, and I keep saying I'm betting on the Cowboys, who I've been covering, is that, wow, if they put it together, they're going to go supernova on teams. And it's like that, that's like, that's like a kind of like a sleeping giant right now. I feel like is the Cowboys right there. And that's, what's kind of fun is that you got the Packers who have already shown that they can take it to the Rams. You got the Cowboys who I think are about to sit on a big game. And then you got the Cardinals who have done their stuff. Like I, I, we can get into that in a minute, but it's, yeah, it's up top. And then the Bucks are battling injuries now. So I was feeling good about the Bucks and now it's like, now they're getting kind of regressing on them a little bit. So it's it's interesting. The NFC's the NFC's really, really tough right now. It's pretty fun. That, that's not news to anybody though. Yeah, I, I want to get into this Cardinals game because apparently I didn't realize this was a thing, but Jared Goff owns Cliff Kingsbury. Like like it's <laughs> it's a real thing we should have considered heading into Sunday's matchup. Like you look at it on paper and you're like, oh it's it's the Lions, but I have championed them a little bit on this on this podcast before they actually won a game. They're like, this is the best winless team I've ever seen. Like, I keep looking at the standings and being like, oh, yeah, they haven't won a football game. And now they've won two games and the Lions are kind of fun. Dan Campbell rocks like he, he's a fun coach to root for and they're an exciting team. But Arizona, like this is a team that we've looked at and they, you know, at one point were the number one seed in the NFC looked like they were had a chance to run away with it at one point. And Kyler Murray got hurt and it's all kind of unraveling. Like, I still think they're a good football team, but I am certainly in the space of like seriously questioning whether or not I should be high on the Arizona Cardinals headed into the playoffs at this point. I think. If you watch that game and you obviously you have to ignore a lot and more history and whatnot, but if you're watching that game for the first time and you didn't had no idea about either team, you would have thought that the Lions were like the favorites in that game. And they were pretty much in control of that game from wire to wire. And I know Arizona was missing DeAndre Hopkins, but that shouldn't be an excuse to play like that on offense. Um, I thought Kyler missed a few throws. I just think that overall they looked a little inept, a little lethargic and I don't know if they thought they could roll the ball out and beat the Lions because they played that way. And it, it just wasn't good. And the way that some teams are trending, like the Rams, we just talked about the Rams, they are going in the complete opposite direction of a team that you would want to um, as we get close to the playoffs. So uh, Arizona has a lot to figure out, man. And I, I don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, it would help to get guys healthy. But um, it's a lot of the same on both sides of the ball. And it's just coming back to bite them, really. Yeah, I I think you nailed it on the head. But it's that's exactly how you rewatch the game. It's not like the Lions got lucky. Like it was like they out executed them. They out schemed them. Like they 
had all their stuff dialed up. I, I had the play I tweeted about that. It was uh, other people have shown the all 22 of it. Uh, it was just that Cardinals love to run mesh. They're an air raid team. Third down, they run mesh all the time. Lions had a blitz for it where they got a free runner. Actually, it wasn't even a blitz. They showed blitz. They brought four and dropped everybody out into the passing lanes. And you could tell it was like Kyler, their whole offense right now is Kyler, go do something. Like, hey, buddy, hey, go, like, go help us out. Like, that's really what they are. And I said on the Sunday show, and I forgot that it was Denny Green when he was with the Cardinals that said it. It's like, they are who we thought they were. Like, this has kind of been the MO for the Cardinals for under Cliff Kingsbury. It's like, hey, when stuff gets tough, it's like they don't have anything to fall back on. It's like they wrote, they, like you said, KP, they roll the ball out and they're like, all right, Kyler, all right, come on, bud. You got us. K1, go be K1. Like, we got you, bud. Like, and that's kind of what it, it's, it's kind of hitting them right now. It's, you can do that and you can get some wins when other teams aren't executing. But now, when you're getting teams that are really, you have so much resume out there, they're kind of getting schemed up. And that's scary when you hit, there's a week by week game where it's like, this is where the good teams really highlight their stuff and really, dial in on what you're doing so and i, I love the lions too I, i'm a sucker for dan campbell as well <laughs> I, I guess the rams i keep bringing up the story but it was anecdotal they had some backup and i think he's starting for him right now he's some db wearing number 40 something he gets shredded by the rams they like run a double move on a cooper cup I'm, I'm sure it was and dan campbell like talks to him off the field and he's like really you know it was really cool because you can see the db kind of going like yeah yeah you, you can see dan campbell calming him down going like hey you got beat but you can read his lips he goes we need you like, we need you. And sure enough, that guy, like, played his ass off on Sunday. And I was like, that's kind of cool. It's cool. That's the stuff that you forget what good coaches can do. It's like, it's, you can do scheme. You can have all these good players. But sometimes it's a, it's the human element. I mean, it's we, we've all been around football. And that's, like, that's what Dan Campbell really, like, gets into. It's like, hey, we're going to get these guys playing fast and confident, which is really cool. Oh, enough with the sob story, Dan Campbell stuff. Let's have a discourse about <laughs> Kyler Murray. All right, so this guy, yeah. Kyler Murray, October, November, 35 okay. touchdowns, eight interceptions over his career. December and January, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a five and eight record. How how long is it going to be? How many years? So we're, we're three years into this, mm-hmm. and we're having this Kyler Murray discussion. And it's always first half of the season, guy looks like an MVP candidate, then he gets hurt, then he doesn't look as good. At some point, we got to start questioning if this guy's going to play, you know, a healthy slate of schedule like throughout an entire season in his career, right? I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say like the very small guy who doesn't look like a football player <laughs> we should have questions about him falling off in like December and January. Okay, first of all, he's an elite athlete. So, um, it does. Yes, he he's breaking even touchdown interception in December and January. <laughs> He just record. so happens to run a 4-3 with a rocket arm. So I can understand why you might want to give that guy the ball. But I'm, And I don't want to make excuses for Kyler because, as I said, like it's not like he's playing at that K-1 level. But how much of this is due to just their offense never evolving? Like it's the same thing over and over and over. So like Nate said, by December, everybody knows what you're going to do by yep. now. There's nothing new that they're adding. If you watch probably any other team, they're adding wrinkles as the season goes along. That's not the case for Arizona. And I, and again, it sounds like you're making an excuse for Kyler when you say that, but how much of that is on him just having to do the, th- the same things that they were doing in early October when there's plenty of tape out there to know that, hey, we can stop it by doing this. So I, I don't know. I think I think this has to come with a caveat um, based on who is calling the plays. I do think it is like one hand washing the other. Like we talk about, you know, I mean, if Kyler is scrambling around, of course he's going to get hurt more often than, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's protected in the pocket and they're just getting the ball out of his hand and stuff like that. And at the same time, 
you know, they're, they're throwing we, – we talked about this on the show, like, throughout the year. Like, the Cardinals probably threw, throw the fewest amount of passes that receivers catch on the run in the league. And, like, things like, like that. Static. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're running, you know, stick or something like that or you're just running hitches, like, teams can squat on that. And then once they squat on it, there's nothing really else to do. Once you hit your drop and the guys are covered, like – Hey, buddy, go make some plays with your feet because, like, yeah. that's all the, outside of throwing it away. There's not another play to make, it's, you know. He's back in the news. It's the Joe Johnson offense, it's the ISO Joe. Mm-hmm. That, that's what this offense feels like sometimes. It's just like, hey, it's well, when, especially when Hopkins is out and you don't see it in a roll between those two. Like, that's what it is. That's what it feels like. It's just, it's Kyler and DeAndre. Hey, let's throw jump balls and contested throws, contested stops. I mean, DeAndre's the, really the best in the business. Works. And then also, but when he's out, okay, you get, you lose that safety net of like, that's what they like. They're like, oh my God, it's third and five. What do we do? Uh, uh, three by one. I saw DeAndre up. Let's, let's throw it right to him. Like, but then it's like, well, you, at times you don't have that easy button. And, and that's what, that's what's, it's so cool. Like, I, I think, I think my long, short answer is too long, didn't read is it's somewhere in the middle. It's that Kyler, uh, Kyler is going to get hurt. He's a tinier guy if he's going to play like this, but then the offense leans into his play style. So when now all of a sudden you're losing Rodney Hudson here, Detroit, that matters too because again it's a good player that was put in the good situations because you can see their blocking scheme went really simple against the Lions because they don't have Rodney to sort that out. But it's like that's on the coaches a little bit, you know. That's that's on them to help the help the players out, help the back help the backups out. Yeah, I'm not going to be as harsh on Kyler as, as Justice is big. <laughs> I mean, he is an incredible athlete, but he is a little guy. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else you do about that, especially with his play style. Um, it's not a good thing that you, as the Arizona Cardinals, like coaching staff, just says, okay, just go make a play. I think we've seen the Kansas City Chiefs get into trouble with that, with Patrick Mahomes and saying, just all right, Patrick, just go do what you do. And, yeah. and I don't think that's always a, a smart way to play. They can uh, script up those plays, though. Those first 15 with Andy <laughs> Reid, they yeah. look good. And as soon as they get out of that 15, it's like, okay, Patrick, all right, bud. Yeah, it's <laughs> the first agree. 15, what we practice all week long. And then after that, right. it's Patrick, just go figure it out. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> we already mentioned the Green Bay Packers did clinch the NFC North, but – I got to give KP some space to talk about his guy, Tyler Huntley, who absolutely balled, uh, almost pulled off a major upset. And of course, it, it led back to the conversation of going for two, fourth down conversion and stuff like that. I, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on that stuff, but I need KP to have some time to breathe on his guy, Tyler Huntley, because he absolutely balled in this game, stepping in for Lamar. He needs to start next year somewhere. I don't know about the incoming college group of quarterbacks, but I can tell you that he looks like a person who should be one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league. And it's just cool to see him get an opportunity. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to say he's going to be like Kyler Murray 2.0, but it seems like he gives you enough on offense to win. And it's not like the Ravens have these juggernauts at wide receivers. So it's, he's having, he, he made a lot of plays on his own last week. And I thought that was really impressive. The whole two point thing, my thought was on that, just let him, because he was, the plays that he was running, he had, you know, an opportunity to go left or right. 
So when they cut the field in half, he was only going to go this way. So that's that was the only problem that I had there um, as far as going for it fourth down. We only ever talk about that when it never works. That's the right. only time it ever comes up. That's It drives me insane. Justice, I'm sure you're going to have something to say about this. <laughs> I want to preface this by whatever he's going to say, he is wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't. I just love the fact again that just Tyler Huntley's getting a chance to play. He can. He has an arm. Um, he has. I think he is patient enough. And the fact that he's doing this without getting like full weeks of practice, like he didn't have an off season to go through. So it, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if a team takes a gamble on him. And and again, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to get like this five year, hundred and twenty million dollar contract. But um, if you just throw something at him like a minimum deal and roll him out, let him compete with a rookie, I would imagine that he would come out on top in that QB competition. In a world of Mike Glennon and Nick Foles getting contract after contract, Seriously, yeah, he deserves a shot at least as a high, high end backup that competes for a job. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I completely Why not? agree with you. Why not? Exactly, he gives you a chance to win, which is all you want and uh, uh, on your roster, he gives you a shot to win. So why not? Three points here. One, KP, how dare you? Here we go. How dare you doubt my fandom of Tyler Huntley? We tried to sign him in the XFL at the Combine when he wasn't invited to the Combine because that would make the biggest splash on the ticker. We couldn't find a team in the XFL that would make him a starter midseason, so that didn't end up working out. We didn't want to put him in a position where he would sign and be a backup somewhere. He very clearly was the most talented guy who was not invited to the Combine um, that year. It was absurd. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 player ahead of Justin Herbert in the same class. I love Tyler Huntley. That's the point Point number one. Yeah. Point number two, that two-point conversion, there's a crosser running across the back line of the end zone. He is wide open. Nobody's um, arguing that. Not one person's arguing well, that. Well, no, that I'm not – I'm saying, like, in terms of the play call and people being like, oh, well, that was a bad sure. decision. They had an open guy. I mean, they just try to feed Mark Andrews. But if his eyes would have reverted, you know, back over the center, like, there was a wide open – like, it's hard to criticize a two-point conversion call when there's a guy wide open, you know, for the go-ahead score with, like, 20 seconds left in the game. Um, third point on Tyler Huntley. So the Ravens have – He's an exclusive rights Bulletin free agent. On Tyler Bulletin list. I have to get my takes out. There's four people on the pod now. Um, he, he's an exclusive rights free agent, which means the Baltimore Ravens don't have to negotiate with anyone. So they basically hold his rights in the mm. offseason so they can trade him. The big thing I would look at is 2023, once he's just a restricted free agent, um, because he is an undraft, he was an undrafted mm-hmm. player, he's not under a four-year contract. That's when teams can like trade that third round pick and like say, hey. If you don't match, you know, the contract that we give him, we'll just give you a third round pick. And then he's our quarterback now. I guess the big thing is like, when does that Lamar deal get done? Right. I mean, we kind of forget that Lamar is probably the next big quarterback contract that's going to come up that hasn't signed yet. And how does that play in with all this Huntley stuff? I don't know, but he's a he's a fun player. He should definitely get a look. I mean, he's better than anyone Pittsburgh has right now. He's better than anyone. The Jets got on the roster right now. He's better than anyone the Houston Texans got on the roster right now. So, I love Broncos. the Jets taking that. The Jets taking there. He squeezed that one in there. Jab. Well, Wilson's not good right now. He he's might not. be good down the line, but he's not good right now. He's not. He, he needs an offseason. <laughs> also, game, Nate. Game's a little fast for Zach right now. You're watching quarterbacks for Bleacher Report right now. Yeah. You could talk about this upcoming quarterback class. It is not great. It's not. 
he actually is hilarious and it was actually i got pretty lucky here so it seems like hindsight's 2020 but i or, or really seems like johnny come lately on it i compared matt corral to tyler huntley and, and that's kind of funny like and i gave him like an end really a middle third round grade just saying something and that's I think QB three for me at this point in time is the third round grade. Only guy I think is a first rounder in this next class. If we would get into this is Desmond Ritter. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, the more I watch him, the more I like him. Uh, I think he is a guy that's grown, but other than that, it's like Huntley has like creates, which is all you can say. He's going to the right guy when stuff is like, it, it's, it wasn't the most complicated pass scheme, but that's the thing. He's going to the right place. Like that's consistently, that's all you want to see in a guy playing for you. That's better than Malik Willis, you know, who is like Malik Willis is a way bigger project than what Tyler Huntley can bring to the tables for you. If I'm a team, I'd rather give a shot to Tyler Huntley and trade a third round or fourth round or whatever, you know, um, than take a shot at Malik Willis because that could that could just crap out on you. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that really kind of agreeing with what you guys are saying. It's like he d- definitely deserves a shot. So you heard it here on NFL University. The Jets should get rid of Zach Wilson and <laughs> yes. go out. And, it's not and what I said. Just justice. <laughs> just justice said. said that. <laughs> I, I do want to stick in the AFC North here uh, for a second. The Cincinnati Bengals currently sit in the four spot in the AFC. They won over the Denver Broncos, and they've got a huge matchup against those Baltimore Ravens this week. Somehow, Every team in the AFC North has a brutal schedule the rest of the way. (laughs) So as this division sits basically even right now with the Bengals holding the crown at the moment, they still have the same record as the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers are in the mix, and now they might get a Chiefs team who could be shorthanded because of COVID issues this week. Uh, The Browns are a long shot, but they could still screw up some playoff situations. Like, I I guess they tried. Yeah, like, who do we even think? I still think that the best team in the AFC North is the Cincinnati Bengals, but I still have a ton of question marks about how they're performing and, and the way the kind of the up and down play of this team all throughout the season. I think everybody wants the Ravens to be good, but they're not um, <laughs> like that sounds harsh, but I feel like if you just watch them, they're trying they're to overcome a lot, up. man. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're they have they to overcome a lot. Think about the players who are not on the field for them, man. Like their best players are not playing for them right now. So Correct. the fact that they're even competing is pretty, that just tells you about how, you know, they buy into their coaches. Um, I don't really mind the Steelers that much. Honestly, I feel like I'd pick the Steelers before I'd pick the Bengals. I want the Bengals to be good too. But again, I just don't know that they're physical enough. I don't think that, the, I think that's going to matter when it counts. They obviously have really good players on the outside on the perimeter. Um, they have two good pass rushers. So like they're going to be in games because of how they're built. But um, something is lacking there, and I can't quite put my finger on what that is. And then, again, the Steelers, I think they have enough playmakers. Big Ben, <laughs> the more that I, I was just watching him against the Titans, man, He everything he does is in slow-mo. So this, this has nothing to do with anything. But he was throwing a 10-yard out route. And they were running a concept where it was a short route and it was a longer route. So it was a high-low concept. He had to pump the short route so that he could get the ball to the out route that was like 12 yards down the field. It is a struggle to get the ball outside the numbers. So maybe that, maybe saying that, it'll, you know, the Steelers are probably not going to go far, but I just like their weapons. I think that they are physical. TJ Watt is obviously TJ Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. He is very, very good. Um, but again, I, the AFC North, it's it's a coin flip, man. You can pick any of these teams, and I don't know if you're going to be right or wrong with it, which whatever whatever direction you go. 
it feels like a war of attrition. <laughs> Seriously, it's just I mean, yeah, I, I, KP, I think I feel the same way. It's like I love the Steelers' defense; they compete their asses off, and they got great players. The stars are stars, right? And but it's like. I can't I, like even on our podcast on the athletics. Like, I, I can't talk about the offense anymore. It's just like I call it on my no fly, no fly list. Big Ben is just I I no, I'm not even going to acknowledge him. He's going straight to jail every time someone wants to bring him up. Uh, but yeah, but this and man, same thing, same feelings about the Bengals. It's like they're consistently inconsistent and it's like so frustrating to watch. And you love their outside guys. You love the three receivers uh, and Burrow is playing well, but it's just like you hold on to your hat. It's like every time they pass the ball, it's like he's running for his life. Uh, and and I know that's getting to the whole like draft argument from last year, but it's like, man, it's scary. And you don't you don't know what you don't know what you're getting from play to play. Some plays they look like a juggernaut on offense. It's like, oh, you see T. Higgins running a dagger route and Burrow's throwing it on time. And the next play is running a sluggo to Jamar Chase. And you're like, that looks pretty damn good. And then next drive, it's like, oh my God, there's Burrow running up and up and under. Their defense is really smart and really like sound, which is fun. But it's like, I, you just never know what you're getting. I mean, they really struggled against that Broncos team. They really needed, I don't know if I can swear, but I'm going to swear is they needed Drew Locke to shit his pants for, <laughs> for them for them to win that game. I mean, they're about to score. The Broncos are about to score there. And, you know, they probably would have been a lot closer. I think it was a five point game, but they could have won there. But they really need the ball to get stolen from Drew Locke on a zone read, um, not an RPO, uh, as some people think it is. Uh, but yes, it was a zone read. But yeah, I, I I don't know what to make of the Bengals. And then the Browns are the Browns who have to live in 13 personnel. And it's just like, oh, my God, that's hard to sustain and play action. They're going through COVID stuff and they're just, yeah, they're a mess all the time, it seems like. Do love their edge rushers, though. It really might be a game of attrition in the AFC North. Like I know that was a joke, but that's probably a fact. Um, yeah. Just going back to the Bengals real quick and Joe Burrow, every quarterback is affected by pressure, but he seems like he's more affected by pressure. His decision-making just goes down the drain when he has somebody in his face. So think about who they're going to play in the AFC. Belichick's probably going to bring it. DeForest yes. Buckner is you're not going to be able to block him. Yes. Like you just go down the list, down the list. Somebody's going to be in his face more yes. often than not. So that makes it tough to yep. just trust Sensi, man. Completely agree. The Chase Sewell debates are back. They're back. back. I know you love the them. Bengals offensive line still not good. Still not good. They 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 got a great weak, weak side zone game. I'll give them that. When they, they but it's hilarious. They'll go under center heavy personnel, and then the next snap they're empty with you know four wides. And it's they just run like, oh two my offenses. God. They run yes, two they offenses. do. Yes, it's crazy. They really do. Yeah, if I had to pick one team in the AFC North that I want to like figure it out this year i think it's the Bengals because they're the most exciting to me like it it was the ravens prior to all the injuries yeah. and everything that they've dealt with this season but like cincinnati's a really fun young team if they could just figure it out i i, I don't know that it's going to happen this season but i, I feel like they got to be the front runner right in, in the afc north at this point <laughs> Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Kansas City Chiefs, as we mentioned, are dealing with a ton of COVID-19 problems headed into Sunday's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they did get some help from the Steelers and the Colts over the weekend. They currently sit atop the AFC, uh, where a lot of us picked them at the beginning of the season, despite all of their early season struggles. But we, we touched on the offense and the opening play script of the Kansas City Chiefs. We understand how talented they are. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Like, I think they're the best team in the AFC, but they still feel a little too much like every other team in the AFC to me, kind of, where I'm like, yeah, but when you get into the postseason and you got to play really good football teams, can you figure it out? Like, are are you going to be able to put this all together? And the Chiefs get a a little bit more of a nod, I I guess, because of Patrick Mahomes and because of Andy Reid and all of that stuff. But What's working in their favor is that I have question marks about every other AFC team. So (laughs) I I keep going back to the conclusion that, okay, the Chiefs are just the best team in the AFC. That's that's just where I wind up again. I think it's the easiest answer to say that the Chiefs are. I would would agree with you because I think that they are. So it helps that Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark and Chris Jones are all on your defensive line. That does make a difference. Um, I think that they're playing, you know, they're faster guys. We've, We've kind of alluded to that a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. It's weird because I've been riding these Chiefs unders and the Chiefs defense as of late, but most of the time, and you're going to think of the Raiders and the Chargers game, but for the most part, their offense hasn't been scoring and they were able to score and hit on a bunch of big plays recently. But still, like I have questions about their offense. I don't know if they have much of a plan or if they know what they want to do outside of hit Kelsey here, he'll hit Tyreek here. But when they need to make a player, when it's like on a down to down basis, they're not very successful. And, and I I don't know, man. I We all know that they are very good. We all know that they have great players. They have probably the best quarterback, probably the best wide receiver. But still, man, it, for whatever reason, they cannot seem to hit their stride on offense. And we are heading into week 16. If you have not hit your stride on offense by now, you are probably not going to hit your stride. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. <laughs> they are like, it's number 15 makes everything smell better. Like he really does. And I we joked about, we joked about the opening script and, but after that, it's just hilarious how much you can really tell with an offense is nothing, nothing with their offense feels on time. Nothing feels like one, two, three balls out. It's all one, two, three, step up, step up, release out. And then there's Kelsey winning on like a win route, like truly is a win route. Just find space and go do something. It's, which is, yeah, I guess it works for them, but it, yeah, it, they, they haven't solved too high. Like, I don't know where the hell that narrative is coming from. Like, they haven't They're solved. They're scoring points, baby. And now all of a sudden they solved everything. And it's like, no, they just kind of, you know, Mahomes went on one. Like, I mean, that's really what it is. And it's like, how much you bet that to happen? I do think the defense has truly improved. Uh, uh, even, you know, the Chargers game is just, you know, Thursday night games are always just like, you always take it with a grain of salt. You just, they're just, this is how they go. And, and they're playing a guy named that rhymes with Huston Gerbert and who's yeah. pretty damn good. Uh, but I do think they just having a Melvin Ingram and kicking Chris Jones back inside just unlocks so much with their defense. And I still think Spags, is really as soon as the season gets tighter and tighter, he gets better and better. He's one of the best. And I know this is 
not news to anybody because he's did in the playoffs on the biggest stage, but he's one of the best game plan to game plan defensive coordinators in the league. Like he really is. As soon as he just has to hone in on one team and not worry about next week. Oh my God. He, he knows how to kitchen sink. Yeah. And how to convolute your, uh, the reads and everything. So it's like, I trust their defense more than their offense, which is saying something right now. And yeah, maybe if they can script 45 plays, you know, they'll work out, but we'll see, we'll see uh, how, how much they can sustain. Uh, but as long as they have Mahomes healthy, it's like they're always going to have a chance. Just real quick on Spags, I think that he – the way that we talk about Tampa Bay's offense, the way that they've gotten better the last two seasons as the season's gone along, it seems like that's what Spags has done this week or this year where he's just kind of figuring out what they can do, what's been yeah. working, what's not. He tried to roll with the vets, and he realized, hey, this ain't working, man. I got to get yeah. these young guys who can run. And he did that. Like, he made adjustments. So kudos to him. But I, I feel like he's he's treating the season – knowing that they're going to make the playoffs, figuring out what he can and yeah. can't do. I'm not so worried about Kansas City in, in the playoffs, honestly. If you look at the matchups, like, all right, New England and Baltimore are going to play a ton of man, right? Um, they can they can win in man. They have the guys that can, like, win in man if you want to extend plays and just beat them with speed. I think Buffalo and the Chargers are, are pretty soft teams. I'm not really – Tennessee can't cover anyone. I'm, I'm not worried about them really What's at all. The zombie team. Yeah. <laughs> The Bengals are okay, but like the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line, if they're healthy, I mean, they should make Burrow's day absolute hell. And then Spags versus Carson Wentz in a playoff game with Carson Wentz on the road, like that's that that's a bloodbath. But so like, I, I understand there's ways for this Chiefs team to lose. Like I, I totally get it. They've lost four games this year, and a lot of it, a lot of times, it's been to not great football teams and not great games, but. In terms of like individual matchups, I don't think there's like one where you're like the Chiefs are going to get drubbed here. Where you could look at like the Chargers, right? And you're like Chargers Colts, no chance. The Chargers have a, the chance; Stop they have the a five percent chance to win the game. Taylor Same thing with New England, five hundred yards in that game. He would right. So like Buffalo and, and and Los Angeles, where it's like they're just they're soft teams, like in terms of physicality. And then like Baltimore and Tennessee, where it's just like they're they're out of horses. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, I, I think they have way bigger question marks than the, than the chiefs do. It's a great point. <laughs> that really is like, and that's the, that's where we're at is that you kind of know who, oh, not really, but you know, they're going to make it, make the dance. And then you start looking at those matchups and you're like, yeah, who, who really scares you? Like, I mean, it's, I mean, also we're going to see, might see spags against Mac Jones. Like, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, they, oh, <laughs> I know. Right. Spags, and Mac Jones, Spags, like, might have made Jordan Love like contemplate retiring football when they, when they played against each other. That was not fun because you could it see wasn't. it live and you're like, oh man. And the Packers just didn't adjust. I mean, Spaz was throwing out every front he can, all these blitzes, all these pressures from every angle. And the Packers were like, we'll just beat it with deep I, shots. And Jordan Love is like, for real, bro? For real? I, this so they didn't go to quick game until the end. This is anecdotal, but he, I think his head was spinning so much, Jordan Love's that he forgot to bring Lazard back into motion on a duo run. And I'll, it's vivid in my mind because I could see Lazard going like, dude, like, bring me back. But Love is just going like, like, okay, all right. That? Like, what's the cadence again? Like, you know, like you could just see it. Like, and I know that feeling, trust me, as a as a lifelong backup quarterback. It's <laughs> when your head's spinning, you don't know what the look's going to be. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that's tough. And that, I man, that's what Spags puts. If you're not the top tier guys, he puts your mind in a blender. Because they just, they just, they might just run cover two, but it's not, doesn't look like cover two. Like it does, everything about it does, nothing sniffs like cover two. And then that's what he can just do to, you know, poor quarterback play. And there's not a lot of top tier guys right now. 
That was that was the first game. Like that was the first game that I that I've been since I've been since then I've been riding the Chiefs and the Chiefs unders. And what he did then, and I know you're gonna people are gonna think yeah, it was against Jordan Love, but that's when they turned around, man. And of course, it helps to get like Melvin Ingram, but they they've really taken um, their game to another level since then. It, finish the sentence. So and so would be the shortest line against the Chiefs. Like, what team would be would give them like the best run for their money or plus some anything that would be under plus three, I guess, or under plus four even would be the better way to put it. Like, is there anybody that's going to be there? I bet, like, at Arrowhead, it's probably like what five and a half, four and a half. That's crazy, man. I mean, you got to think. It's, I mean, but it's really? true. Like, I'm not arguing. I'm just trying, yeah. trying to think through my head, and I don't know. I know. Justice, you got anybody? I mean, it's it's Pats or Colts to me, but neither of them have a quarterback. Yeah. So I think it's Colts would be my answer, honestly. I, I'm in love with the Colts. There, it's, it's there's weird, a path but. for the Colts to succeed. You know, like, yeah. hey, they don't have to throw the ball and they really get after him in the run because that's always been a weakness of Spags defenses is that you can run it. But the game script when you're going against number 15 is usually it gets out of hand yeah. if you're not sustaining those drives. And that's like that the Colts have a wider path that I think than any other team as far as to success against them. But that's that's a great way to frame it though. Like, I mean, that's how you have to look at these things. It's like, all right, look at start looking at these matchups. And it's like, right. yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it is the Colts and the Patriots. Like I, I think they're set up to keep the Chiefs offense off the field, like the most, which, which is what you feel yep. like you, yes. you gotta do against them. And so we we can talk about that Colts and Patriots game, which seems like it was oh, a week ago at this point. Uh but Carson Wentz finished the game, 57 passing yards. Jonathan Taylor went absolutely nuts. Seven passing yards in a dome. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, open the roof. That's that, that's the biggest issue with this Colts team, right? Like, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a true superstar, and their defense is exciting. They've got some speed. They they they've got some pop, like on that side of the ball, mm-hmm. and they can create plays. But then you look at Carson Wentz and you're like, man, this Colts organization, Frank Reich, really, really good coach. They're really, really sound top to bottom. Chris Ballard, uh, you know, one of the more respected general managers in all of football. This is a good organization. But then you look at Carson Wentz and you're like, well, what are they going to do with this? Like, what are they going to do? Like, what's the future of this? Cause they probably got him at least another year and they're probably a playoff team. I want to see them in the playoffs. Cause I think they can give some teams some problems, but you always come back to Carson Wentz and 57 yard performances or weird interceptions. And so it makes you just wonder like where they can go from here, or what they're going to be in the near future. Isn't it funny? The more Carson Wentz plays, the better we look at Frank Reich. Like, we're, we're like, we're like man, he could really put a game plan together to hide that guy. It's like that's kind of the irony of it all. <laughs> I think Reich's incredible, man. I he think is. what he's doing. I mean, again, 57 freaking yards in a dome game against the Patriots, man. And they won. And it was comfortable, too. Yep. That, that's nuts. But, yeah, so we talk about Taylor. We talk about their offensive line. I actually like what Michael Pittman's doing in light of his quarterback. I think yep. that they have the defense to be able to slow teams down. Yeah, they're they're just a good football team. Yep. And of course they're hindered by their quarterback, but I think just they they actually match up well with a lot of teams, which gives me confidence in them against a lot of teams. So, um I mean, I would like them to be just like a little bit faster, but not everybody's going to be a track team. So, of course, you know, you're going to have issues everywhere. So, um, DeForest Buckner, really good player. I think Darius Leonard, we're starting to see him make plays. Uh, Justice, Darius Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, they, they, they're starting to they're starting to have their guys make plays, and I think that's been a key. Um, you're not going to get a special teams touchdown every week, but you know those random turnovers, those random scores, like uh, that's how you're going to win late in the season. So they make it hard uh, they, on you. Yeah, yeah, they do. Everything is a struggle, man. Mm-hmm. Ballard just lives a cursed existence. Like he is maybe the best general manager in the league. I, I know he's you know up there in terms of just like asset management and all that. He just can never find a quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, for, for all the crap that we give, you know, Matt rule, right. Where we're like, man, you're switching quarterbacks. So, I mean, the, the Colts are doing the same exact thing and they're about to pay a first round pick for Carson Wentz. So I don't know, man, like it feels like this team probably needs to make a big move for a quarterback this off season. I just don't know if there are that many moves to make, like, are they going to make the cut for Russell Wilson's uh, list of places I would like to be traded if I were to be traded, but I don't want to be traded. <laughs> <laughs> that he for sure didn't leak out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I maybe maybe I'm just at home with this Colts team because it feels like a Wisconsin Badger team. Like uh-huh. just good old line, good back, a lot like big tough receivers, not a lot of speed, but big tough receivers. But then the defense that's sound defense. So maybe it's like maybe I feel at home there. And hey, ba- and Boward's a badger as well. And so is Jonathan Taylor, of course. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's why I'm so high on them. It's just, but yeah, they do feel yeah, when you just see that that passing line, it's just that's like the big cold water that Carson Wentz dumps on you when he's trying to throw late on a naked over the middle, like on a bootleg, and you're like, he has too many starts under his belt to be doing that shit like that, like just way too many. Like that is like rookie year, that's like sophomore year of college stuff, and it's like, dude, you've you know you're MVP candidate at one point. Like, come on, man, <laughs> that that's uh, that always is just like jolts you back when you watch that team. If they pull the plug on Wentz this offseason, is this it? For him? Like, is, is he going to get another shot? Matt Rule will give him a call. <laughs> Did he go to Temple? Did so he go to Temple? And they'll have a uh, four-quarterback rotation for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yeah, two-minute two minute quarterback, four-minute quarterback, third-down quarterback. They'll just <laughs> rotate him in and out based on yeah. the situation. They 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 announced today uh, Cam Newton's going to get the start, but they're going to rotate Sam Darnold in. And I'm no. like, I don't. This doesn't make sense, guys. I don't think Sam Darnold's a package quarterback. No. It's just... I mean, I don't know. He had all those rushing touchdowns at the beginning. Right. Cam. You Cam. <laughs> if only they had another rushing quarterback to solve. <laughs> and another one in PJ Walker. Right. They could do it. It's just awful. What a mess. Man. What is that team, man? I, I keep saying it. It's like now that Urban Meyer's out. It's like now we go. Oh yeah, there's some other shit teams in this league. It's like let's, five let's... that we should have been grilling this whole time. <laughs> Carolina, Houston. It's like hey, Jets. It's like hey, what's Jeez. what's going on over there? What's what's the eye of Sauron? Oh, now it's okay to call out the Jets. I said the whole team. I didn't say the Jets quarterback room. I I've learned my lesson already about what Jets fans uh, uh, think about their quarterback on Twitter. It is kind of uh, common on this podcast that we do roast the Pittsburgh Steelers in their offense and Ben Roethlisberger. But as Nate already mentioned, he doesn't want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So I don't really want to drag him through that again. Uh, It's not fun to watch. They might get a break on Sunday. We'll see. Uh, Hopefully the Chiefs are at full strength, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out throughout the rest of the week. The New Orleans Saints defense. Oh, man, did I not see that coming? Uh, Shut down Tom Brady. Shut out Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, Brady did lose Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette in this game. We found out earlier this week that Chris Godwin did, in fact, tear his ACL. He is down for the rest of the season. 
But Bruce Arians said this week that Antonio Brown is expected to make his return in all likelihood this week. And he looks like he did before injury. So I think this was just a weird game. I don't, you know, the Saints, since Brady has gone to Tampa Bay, the Saints just give Brady a lot of problems. And he seems to really struggle against the New Orleans Saints. Then they had all of the injuries in that game. So it's just one of those games where, like, if the Saints somehow sneak into the playoffs, Tampa Bay really, really doesn't want to see the New Orleans Saints. But against everybody else, I think you still <laughs> fear Tom Brady and this Tampa Bay offense. And it's a big loss losing Chris Godwin. But if Antonio Brown steps back in and plays like he did early on in the season, then this offense is still the most dangerous offense in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, it sucks just knowing what Godwin was about to make this offseason because he was playing really well. Like he's when you do, everybody throws around these, these cliches, like he's a complete receiver, but Godwin like really does everything that you yes. want. And he can, he can win so many places. Um, as far as the saints game goes, my friend's a, a Bucks fan. And he said, like, we were talking about, Hey, what do we do with this game? And he said, when, when Tommy sees gold helmets, he turns senile. You just can't trust him against the saints. Um, yeah. Dennis Allen, man, I was, I was looking at some of the saints numbers since he's taken over and it's like, Oh, Oh, Yep. Oh, wow. Like they're, they've been really good across the board, like everywhere you look, whether it's um, success rate, EPA per play, missed tackles, um, explosive plays allowed. They're just really, really sound. So I, it would help if they had a quarterback or a receiver who could win on the outside. But and you said what's the speed? Yes. Like anybody that was faster than anybody on this podcast. Um, right. But I mean, kudos to Dennis Allen. They're they're probably not going to make the playoffs just because they're so limited on the offense. But um, oh, Justice, you think they're gonna sneak in? I, uh, I I think the way that it works out now, yeah, I, I'd give them the inside leg for the seventh seed. Um, the way the way it works right now, I think San Francisco is gonna get in, and then that seventh seed is open to you know Minnesota unless they upset Green Bay. Um, yeah, I, I think they're out, and then. Yeah, Washington basically got knocked out yesterday by by the Eagles. De- Eagles Dennis Allen. Yeah, Dennis Allen's defense has done so. I mean, the two MVP candidates at this point of the season are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Dennis Allen went against him and allowed three whole points. Yeah, and that's with guys who pretty much couldn't cover. So yep. that's that's a t- that's a t- that's a sneaky team too. Like in the NFC, they're a team who could like. Tra- trap one of these contenders and just like knock them out in the first round. I think I don't yeah. think they, they can go the distance, but like you're talking 60 minutes, like they, they can come out with a win. What's so funny is Dennis Allen, how I knew him, uh, you know, in Denver. And then when he first got to the saints is, you know, a blitz guy, he had some Greg Williams in him. Like that's kind of like what his tree was. And then now he barely blitzes. He, they just run the, they rush four and they kick your ass. And it's awesome. It's so different. Like we we get used to all these bendy guys and you know speed rusher types, and it's kind of cool seeing these kind of almost I would say hybrid type guys, but more of a like like thumper guys, like barroom brawlers. And that's why they could they can ho- like hang their uh, hang their hat when they go against the Bucks. It's because they can just rush four, and it's not finesse guys because the Bucks offensive line is a bunch of badasses too. And so they're just like, no, we're fine with this. We're gonna just turn this into a, a barroom brawl. Like that's what they turn every game into. And when you do that, you're going to hang in so many games. When you don't have to blitz, you can play. You can play just whatever coverage you want behind it. And we know that our, our front four is going to get home or push the pocket. It's almost like a more like uh, uh, aggressive version of what the Patriots do a little bit. They don't run man and stuff like that, but really how they just press the pocket, press the pocket, make it tight on quarterbacks. And that's why you saw Brady so many times just sitting, 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 and he's not scrambling. So when he's just sitting, 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 all of a sudden he's just 
he has to tuck and you know tuck and save a hit. That's tough to go against, and that I, I agree with Justice saying they're gonna if I, they are a team that could like if they just do enough on offense. Does Sean Payton sprinkle some magic on the offense? Hopefully, Taysom Hill can read a read a coverage for once in his life that oh. that they can <laughs> they can hang with any they can really hang with any team because they could just they just match up well. It's a, it's yeah, it's an interesting unit to watch in like twenty twenty one. You know, like we're getting so much speed that happening right now. It's like seeing this kind of an ass kicking defense. It's kind of cool. Yeah, the Cam defensive Jordan. ends are so long. Like they, they remind me of like those Cincinnati teams when it was like Michael like Johnson Dunlap. and Dunlap and then yeah. Atkins That's on good. the inside. Yeah. Where they have Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport outside, and then they just spent a first round pick on Peyton Turner, who's yep. another long guy. I mean, that yep. that's kind of who they are. And then Onyamata is probably there's there's not there's Onyamata's been a drop off. Yeah, there's been a drop off in three technique play, you know, kind of league wide. And I think that's probably why we always talk about, you know, an Aaron Donald. But one of the guys who I think has really gotten overlooked over his career is David Onyamata. I mean, he yeah. was he's been explosive for years and he's definitely a penetrator and like he makes a difference for them on the inside. Cool. Onyamata, Davenport, Cam Jordan. That is a pain in the ass. And then you go yep. to the second level. Tomorrow Davis is very, very good. And then you have Marcus Lattimore, who can is just a cornerback that can match up and you can move yep. around with, which means a lot for what they do. And then on top, you have Marcus Williams, who can go from one side of the field and teleport to the other side of the field. So, yep. yeah, they are very tough. And how they play would allow them to slow down a lot of NFC offenses. But, um, again, the other side of the ball matters too. And that's just – it's <laughs> – it's tough to believe in the Saints scoring anything over 10 points. <laughs> Race to 13. Yes. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. That, that's like every game, I, I feel like, for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we, we talked about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit earlier, and I, I want to get into what they've been doing recently. They're, they're currently sitting at the two seed in the NFC, and – this offense that we kind of expected to be just a juggernaut like Casey-esque put up points every single week as, you know, give problems to any opposing defense has kind of been struggling lately. And now Tyron Smith has been hurt a lot of the season. Ezekiel Elliott's not healthy. Dak has had several different injuries. Tony Pollard is even banged up now. So I think some of that comes into play here. But their defense all of a sudden is really stepping up, and they've done a good job creating turnovers and putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks all season long. But this Dallas Cowboys team, like I was kind of waning on my confidence in them for a few weeks, and now I'm kind of back aboard. Like This team, just talent-wise, top to bottom, is set up. If the offense starts clicking again, like headed into the postseason, like the Dallas Cowboys – are a team that I'm like, okay, I feel like that team can make a Super Bowl if they figure this out and get everything figured out that's going on with Dak Prescott right now. It's amazing how much better your defense looks when you can get after the passer, man. Like, their secondary, <laughs> still, like, I, I have no confidence in their secondary, but Randy Gregory, Michael Parsons, who apparently is the best player ever, and um, I feel like I forgot that if somebody else that Demarcus Lawrence. There we go. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That guy <laughs> nice. is pretty damn good. Um, yeah, they have legitimate guys who can rush the passer, not just one who you can, you know, slide your protection to or chip, but you have to worry about it coming from all different angles. And they're all at, like we, t- we just talked about the Saints being power guys. That is not who Dallas is. They will come after you and get after you in a hurry. 
So I think their speed really messes with you. And they put pressure on you on, on offense to keep up with them. So as Nate said earlier, once they really start to unlock it and start to score like we know they can because it's coming, like it feels inevitable once they start clicking. Um, it'll probably happen at the worst possible times against the 49ers and the Packers justice. I'm sorry it's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I think Dallas is really going to be interesting to watch moving forward. Yeah, it, it's a it's a team I always re, I watch them live and I'm like so disappointed and I'm like man you know every just, week like every week and then I rewatch them and I'm like they are so close to, to just blowing teams out like so like CD Lamb is not going to miss three balls in the sun again like that's what happened against the Giants he had two that would have been touchdowns or one I was going to say sure. I know they were going in. Oh, one, one, it was an over route on a naked, like he, it would have been a walk-in touchdown and instead they had to kick a field goal and it was like, oh man. Okay. And then they had another one where it was, uh, I think it was like just a little bubble screen, like again in the red zone. And it was like, it was against a blitz and it would have been like a gash, like at least a 10 yard gain. Maybe you scored because CD is so good with the ball in his hands. And it's like, and then he had another one on top of that. It's like, that's not going to happen again. And then like the week, week before against Washington, Dak just doesn't see the guy going, uh, uh, uh releasing again on a naked god what's all these quarterbacks throwing picks on nakeds it's really annoying but then they also they had two missed opportunities there and it's like this team is too good to like just have this i know mike mccarthy is still overseeing it so you always have to hold on to your hat but again this deep the fact that this defense who i thought going in the year it's like even if they play league average they're going to be a good team they're looking like a top five unit right now because they're so good up front and they're starting to tweak how they use guys, how they move the guys around. Like Demarcus Lawrence was getting inside snaps. They having Micah Parsons show show blitz and a run Tampa two as a Tampa player is spurting back. I know that was two weeks ago. He's running with the wheel route now, so they're moving the guys around. They're doing what Washington did last year, where they just line up five guys across the board and run games, and they're like, one of our guys is going to win. That's what they just bet. And they're that just like, hey, too. yeah. And how many good offensive lines are there right now? Right. So it's sixty minutes that a team has to block that, and it's like that's. That's just such a nice ace in the hole that they have. So they're going to be in every game. And if the offense clicks for 60 minutes, they'll win by 30. Like that's that's how close they are to being just a juggernaut. But right now they're just shooting themselves in the foot. The biggest thing for me in terms of Dallas, like actually going on like a run and making it out of the NFC is just how healthy is Dak? How healthy is Zeke? How healthy are the tackles? I mean, that, on, that's man. kind of been that's kind of been the story of, of their season offensively, I think, this year, because. Honestly, like even when some of their wide receivers dropped out, like I feel like CD is like by far their wide receiver one now. Oh like, yeah, in, and Gallup might be their wide receiver too. Like Amari's just like a nice third guy now, which is like <laughs> you're paying him a lot of money. Imagine to be saying back. that out loud anytime in your life. Yeah, we got Amari Cooper. He's our wide receiver. Though. He's a role player. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But they have they treat him like a role player. Like they yeah. move him. They have him blocking now. Like like as like a motion guy. Like when I say the Alan Lazard clip with the Packers, that's what they use Amari Cooper on now. It's like. Times have changed when you're getting 150 targets with the Raiders right. <laughs> to now like getting six maybe in a game. And before we get out of here, I do need to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. They have won five of six. They currently sit in a good spot to secure a wild card. And it sounds like Elijah Mitchell is actually going to be healthy this week. We've been talking about it all year, KP. This 49ers team can give you some problems if they can actually field all of their offensive weapons on the field at the same time. It seems like that's coming together finally for your San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, they just ruled Elijah Mitchell out. So, for, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, whoops. Um, no, it, it's true, man. So, I think Brandon Ayuk's emergence has allowed them to move Debo around a little bit more. 
So now you have to respect Ayuk. George Kittle is, I don't know what he's doing right now, but I've never really seen a person do what he's doing. Um, so he's 265 pounds and he's running past defensive backs, man, on screens. That's not normal. I think their offensive line's playing a lot better. Honestly, it just comes down to Jimmy. If Jimmy doesn't throw the ball to the other team, they are incredible on offense. They do a lot of things. I think Shanahan, as we talked about, you know, Cliff's offense, they've been evolving as an offense. The 49ers have, and it's been really fun to see defensively. D'Amico Ryan's being able to call plays the way he does with two cornerbacks who should not be on the field right now should be should have him in the running of whatever the award for assistant coach of the year is he's been phenomenal man of course it helps when you have that Nick Bosa guy he is pretty good at what he does um I think again I, I always come back to team speed their team speed is pretty incredible and that is going to help them win a lot of games because when you can throw a slant or a screen and that goes from a seven yard gain into a 30 yard gain it is very easy to win on offense so they just again don't shoot themselves in the foot hang on to the ball uh, right guard doesn't get blown up on one play. Right tackle doesn't whiff on another play. Quarterback doesn't throw the ball to the free safety on this play. Good things happen. And, of course, um, the, the cornerbacks, they're going to get beat. Like, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. But the, the front is so good, and I think their front seven is really good. And even down the middle, I think their safeties are really good, too. Um, just <laughs> you cross your fingers that those things don't happen. And good, um, they, they've been. that's why they're winning, because more often than not, those things haven't been happening. Yeah, their defense is just Fast and aggressive. It's like they win with aggression and smart players. I mean, Fred, having Fred Warner, you know, just shore things up and do that. And I, I think I tweeted, it was like, Ambry Thomas just wants December to end, man. man He's guy. like, <laughs> it's, it was hilarious watching the Bengals game. And it was like, as the quarters went along, you could see the coaches going like, hey, that corner's not very good. Let's <laughs> circle him and start running some stuff over there. But it was, I mean, this defense is really fun because just like you said, it's just, I mean, Kwan Williams getting in there in the block, like in the tackles on blitzes. It's so cool seeing a nickel do that. Like you know, in 2021, playing like a, a you know a nickel from 2008. Like that's what he's doing, like in in the slot there, and that's so cool. And then yeah, the offense is just like, hey, Brunskill, don't screw it up, and Jimmy, don't screw it up, and let's just get the ball in the hands of our guys, our, our really talented playmakers. It, it's it's cool that they can run 21 personnel for an entire drive and show you about 12 different formations from yeah. the same thing with all the guys lined up anywhere and like they can run the same play, but give you such a different look on it. And that's a pain in the ass to go against. And yeah, it's like, as long as it's on third and long and the defense doesn't, the defense against them doesn't run one robber against Jimmy G pretty good. <laughs> like as long as one robber is not run against them, they're pretty good. And uh, cause he gets tunnel vision with that for whatever reason, but man, it's, they're a tough, they're going to be a tough out for whoever plays them. Cause they just, they have their identities now and, and they're really honing in on what they're doing. They they've made so many strides offensively since that Niners Packers game. Like yeah. think think about how different this team is and how different the usage of even the skill players are. Um, I this is one of the teams that I actually worry about as a Packers fan. I, I worry about uh, Tampa. I worry about San Francisco. I don't worry about Dallas really. I, I I'm calm. Mike McCarthy will not go to a Super Bowl. So if he meet, he meets us in the <laughs> NFC Championship game, we're gonna be fine. Um, yeah, what I, what I do worry about is the Niners and Tampa just because of their skill sets. I mean, when you have a tight end body like that and you have that much talent just in terms of pure skill players and you have a solid offensive line, um, if the quarterback is clicking, there's nothing you can really do, man. Like, <laughs> you could drop plays on a board all you want. Like, players make plays. And if the quarterback is just 
in rhythm, you should be fine. That's the big question. Like like Nate said, the two things I'm worried about, Brunskill at like 270 playing right guard and then Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so to your to both of your points, uh, one play against the Falcons, they caught the Falcons in cover two and they're in 21 personnel, but they have Kittle and the fullback, check as like inline tight ends. Jimmy fakes a jet motion, so naturally somebody's going to come across the formation and bite on it because defenses cannot help but bite on the 49ers' motion of whatever they do before the snap. There's a short roll to the left. They're running three verts against cover th- cover two. So you have Ayuk, you have Kittle, and you have Debo against two players who are probably not as good as them. Um, it's down the seam. You get Kittle one-on-one with the safety. All Jimmy has to do is throw it up. He boxes out the safety. 30-yard gain. I don't know how you could be mad at the defender for that, for yeah. allowing that catch. Uh, there's nothing that he can do there, but that just tells you how easy it is for them on offense when things go well. And when things go well, um, yeah, they're, they're, they have been one of the more efficient offenses in the NFL. And that's why I would be worried about them too if I was anybody else, just because they have dudes and their dudes are really, really good. Yes. Yes. So we're going to have to wait one more week to see that fully yes. healthy 49ers <laughs> offense because Elijah Mitchell is out. Uh, but he'll be back soon enough. We, we, we all hope and we'll get to see him uh, compliment that, that overall offense. But that's all we got for you on this week's edition of NFL University. Before we get out of here, Nate, uh, please tell the audience where they can find all of your fantastic work. Oh, yeah. So mainly you can find me on Twitter, Nate underscore Tice, as you see right here. And then the Athletic Football Show. I'm on the Sunday night slash Monday morning shows, depending on when you watch them on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, I also will be on I'm on the Friday shows for the Athletic. We're going to do some stuff for the playoffs, but throughout the year, I'm on Friday. Um, Right now, I do Bleach Report College Draft Reports, uh, which I have been really pounding away on this last couple of weeks. Great time to do it in the holiday season. I love it. And then also uh, you can find me. I do some Twitch streams again, data underscore Tice, not really doing them this week. We'll probably get back to it next week. Um, and also I have a Substack called the silent count. I'm all over the place as the life of a freelancer, but yeah, Nate underscore Tice and you'll find me at, at various platforms. If you are a fan of one-liners and puns, subscribe to Nate Substack. They will drive you insane, but I love them, so I'm subscribed. Thank you, KP. Just losing my mind as I type. And I'm like, yeah, this cracked me up. Yeah, I'm keeping it in there. (laughs) What will piss them off the most? Let's keep that. Corniest jokes possible, baby. (laughs) So please go follow Nate uh, and all the great work that he's doing. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Everybody have a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.